Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. A number of weeks ago, we started a series both in our faith groups in midweek and then in these Sunday worship services. The series for both settings comes from this passage in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 14. Hebrews 12 and verse number 14, the Scripture records this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, in our faith groups, we're discovering the meaning of pursuing holiness. On Sundays, we've explored the meanings of peace with all people in a variety of settings. Previously, we've learned from verses like this one in Romans 12 and verse 18. The scripture says this, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. How many have ever been around somebody you thought was impossible? Yeah, please no names. The scripture recognizes there's two sides to the equation of human peace. And so it acknowledges as much as is possible on our behalf. I can't blame everything on everyone else. There are some things I can be responsible for. But neither can I blame everything on me. They are responsible in the relationship also. Paul explained later in Romans 14 and 19 another passage about peace. He said, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one, by which one may edify another. As things which make for peace. In one of our previous messages, we offered these actions. Number one, pause. Okay, this is profound insight right now. If you didn't get it a few weeks ago, you better get it now. Here it is. Think before I speak. If you're like me, you can remember times where you wish <laughs> you'd have thought before you spoke. Think. There's a recommended action. Here's another one that helps in peace with people. Trust. Trust. Simply give others the benefit of the doubt. There's a possible explanation for the misunderstanding. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Third thing, edify, edify, build up and encourage others. Three actions, suggestions to make peace in our lives. Pause, trust, and edify. Simple things to facilitate peace. Peace. In our ordinary understanding, many of us generally think about peace in terms of what it is not. We think about peace as being the absence of conflict. Peace is the absence of trouble or the absence of confusion. When I have peace, that means there's no conflict, no problems, no pain. But I want to remind us today in the core of this message on peace, biblical peace is more than that. 
Biblical peace begins when we start to understand the Hebrew meaning for peace, when that word which is shalom. Shalom carries with it some positive implication. There's a presence of certain qualities. There is completeness in that peace. There is soundness in that peace. There is well-being in that peace. Can I I grab our attentions just a moment this afternoon to know that biblical peace isn't the absence of bad things. It's the presence of good things. Biblical peace adds to our lives and completes our lives with good things. Shalom means everything which makes for our highest good. Then that's the peace. That's the kind of understanding that was going on in the audience in John 14 and verse 27 when Jesus said in John 14, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Can I just remind everybody this afternoon, when Jesus speaks peace, He declares first and foremost, I want to add to your life. I want to build in your life. I want to promote good things in your life. Jesus is preaching peace. When Jesus talks about peace, He would say it like this, if you will. Completeness I leave with you. My wholeness I give to you. Somebody needs to be encouraged in the house today. When I seek the peace of Jesus, it's not just changing stuff around me, but it's the power of Almighty God changing things inside of me. That's the biblical peace embodied by the Prince of Peace. Today my focus is this, more than leaving peace with His disciples, Jesus practiced peace. Jesus proclaimed peace. And He did so even after His death on the cross. After Jesus' burial, the Bible records Mary Magdalene went to visit the tomb of Christ. Maybe she went to pray, maybe she just went to mourn. She arrives at the tomb and the tomb is open and Jesus' body is gone. The tomb is empty. Her sorrow likely increased at that knowledge. So Mary runs to Peter and John, who then themselves run to the tomb to see what's going on. And they get there, and yes, Jesus' tomb is empty. And they begin to question, what in the world could this mean? They didn't understand what was happening. The Bible makes that clear. Then later that same day, in John chapter 20, here's what happened. The same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. 
And when he'd said this, it says in verse 20, he showed them his hands and his side, and his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. We got to recognize the setting today. They were confused. But Jesus proclaimed peace. They were mourning, but Jesus declared peace. They were afraid, but Jesus pronounced peace. More than leaving peace behind, Jesus practiced peace. He proclaimed peace into the lives of his disciples. And the Bible says, when Jesus said, peace be unto you, the fear left. The confusion left. And now how did they feel? The Bible says they were glad when they saw the Lord. It turned around when He spoke peace. Depending on where we are in our lives and the situations and circumstances we face, that portion of the Scripture alone can be the inspiration we need. When I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling troubled, when I'm feeling this and feeling that, when I'm questioning things and I feel the peace of God minister my life and things turn around. That's the power of prayer in the presence of God. People that are feeling discouraged stand up around the front, raise some hands unto the Lord. Tears begin to come down in His presence. And what was sadness turns into gladness. What was mourning turns into joy. Because we got into the presence of the Prince of Peace and a holy God. Their situation changed. They were glad when they saw the Lord. But more than that this afternoon. Hear me today. Peace of Jesus Christ doesn't stop at gladness. His peace doesn't end in personal relief. Along with peace, the Bible says, Jesus sent them as peace speakers. Look at verse 21 in John. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. Now, He already said it once. In his first speaking, they went from fear and mourning and sadness to gladness. They're already in a personal state that is turned around. But Jesus isn't finished with the power of peace. So the Bible says he said to them again, peace to you. And he followed that up with, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. I want us to realize today that Jesus intended that peace proclamation as he had done is to be copied. It's to be continued. He said, peace to you. What is Jesus saying, preacher? He's saying, as I brought peace into your life, you are also to share peace with others. So the apostle Peter who heard those words, heard that proclamation. He begins in the book of Acts this biblical conversation with a Roman centurion named Cornelius. And he explained to Jesus to Cornelius like this in Acts 10 and 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation. Whoever fears him 
and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. As Peter's explaining to Cornelius the process of the gospel, he says, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. And if you read the passage, it's just a couple of sentences later. And Peter can't even finish his explanation because he's interrupted by the Holy Spirit falling in that place. And everybody in the house is filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit as evidenced in speaking in other tongues. How did that happen? It began by preaching peace as the gospel of Christ Jesus. Peter continued that peace proclamation. Now I'm going to roll through some scriptures pretty quick here. You better stay on your toes. I'm going so fast I didn't even bother to give them to the AV folks. No sense in them going so fast and you saying, hey, I didn't get that. I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to get it. Peter preaches in Cornelius' household in Acts 10, the peace through Jesus Christ. And then later on, Peter's writing an epistle. That's a letter. He wrote 1 Peter and he wrote 2 Peter. And in both of the greetings of those letters, in the very first sentences, he writes to those people, Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied. There is something that continues to stir in Peter. He remembers the words of Christ Jesus. He didn't just leave peace. He practiced and proclaimed peace. And he said to them, peace I leave to you. And he expected it to be proclaimed farther. I don't know, preacher. That's kind of a stretch. So Peter preaches peace in the book of Acts. And he makes a little greeting in the first Peter and second Peter. I'm telling you, Peter's not the only one. In two of his epistles, the apostle John, he wrote in second John and in third John and his greetings. He said, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God. In third John, peace to you. John preached Peace. John proclaimed completeness and wholeness and all that Christ can bring of good to humanity. I, I, I preached this afternoon, these apostles, they weren't just stuck on the grace of Christ Jesus that brought salvation, but they preached peace that brought completeness and wholeness and individual transformation. The best of God happening in the least of men. He preached peace. Book of Jude chapter 1 and verse 2. Jude says mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. You see this afternoon we got to grasp peace doesn't end in our own personal relief. I charge and challenge every disciple in the sound of my voice. Peace delivered to you and I is not merely for personal consumption and personal relief of our stress and struggle. Jesus said to them again, peace 
to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Peace is designed to continue. Peace is should be paid forward. Peace is passed along. Jude knew it. John knew it. Peter knew it. I would tell you Paul knew it probably more than any of the others. Paul's credited certainly with writing 13 of the New Testament epistles. A 14th is quite likely. He's credited with authoring those books. I would tell you in 13 where he is certainly given credit. At the opening, at the greeting of every letter, Paul says something like this, To the Romans, beloved of God, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Twice to the Corinthians he wrote, and twice he said, grace to you and peace from God. To the Galatians he penned, grace to you and peace from God. To the Ephesians, grace to you and peace from God. To the Philippians, grace to you and peace from God. To the Colossians, grace to you and peace from God. Twice to the Thessalonians, to the Thessalonian church, grace to you and peace from God. Both letters he wrote to his beloved disciple Timothy. To Timothy, a true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God. God. Then Paul wrote to his disciple Titus, a true son of common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from the Father to Philemon, grace to you and peace from God. Paul proclaimed peace. What was he saying? Listen, it wasn't a hippie convention with peace signs and flowered, polka-dotted, tie-dyed shirts. That wasn't what was going on. Rather, Paul declared grace to you and wholeness in Christ Jesus and completeness in the kingdom of God. Paul constantly informed his readers, listen, the plan of our Lord and Savior isn't to leave us like He found us, but He wants to pour everything into us for our highest good. So time and again, the apostle said, grace and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus started it off. He proclaimed peace. Fulfilled prophecy of Isaiah 9 and 6 as the prince of peace. Jesus proclaimed peace. Jude proclaimed peace. John, Peter, Paul, they all proclaimed peace. Disciples who'd heard and been trained, studied at the feet of the Master, impacted in their own lives, not just by the unmerited good feelings and favor of God that we call grace, but also impacted by His completeness being realized in their lives. Peace is primary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 10, I want you to notice something. Jesus is sending out 70 disciples. 70 disciples. 
now that we've dismissed the children's ministry team and those involved in children's and teens classes, I would venture to say we have around 70 adults in this auditorium right now. Jesus is having a chat with 70 disciples, followers of Christ. And he explains this to them in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse number 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In verse 3, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. He says, sent, send out, send you out. Proclaiming peace assumes engagement and service with those around us. It's not leaving a church building on Sunday and hiding from our communities all week long. It's not living for Christ only in the four protected walls of a worship sanctuary. Rather, peace speakers go to those who need to hear. And when we start biblical conversations, here's what we do according to Jesus. Verse 5, whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. Wherever city you go, whatever house you stop at, first words, peace to this house. Complete Word Study Dictionary says that means every good wish for this house. Our first words in a Bible conversation are simple. You need to know, Jesus has wholeness and completeness and every good thing in store for your life. We don't start talking to folks by reading them the riot act of everything in their lives that's imperfect. People know when they're not imperfect. Rather, we preach a gospel of peace. We need to let people know first, Jesus is interested in you. He desires completeness in your life. Offer oh, completeness. Peace should proliferate should be multiplied, it should be reduced or reproduced rather from us to others. Peace to you. He prayed, Jesus said for them to pray, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. You see, already it's getting tight in here. I've been preaching for 25 years. I know how this works. As long as I preach personal benefits from the kingdom, we want to run laps and bite the ceiling. But if I begin to share personal obligation in the kingdom, peace was made for more than my personal consumption. God has worked miracles in my life 
so that I might pay it forward and communicate to somebody else, be it in a small way or a large way. There is something about spreading and preparing peace. The assumption is that conversion comes to disciples and then they are ready to share the good news to others. I, I preach this today because I believe in the sound of my voice. There are many answers to this very prayer. I believe in this house there are field laborers. I believe in the sound of my voice there are men and women who are hearing the call of God and responding even now to the Lord's call to the field. I believe there are peace speakers in this house. Maybe it just starts in your household with your children. Maybe it extends to a spouse who doesn't follow God. But there are speakers of peace in this house that recognize when I begin to share what God has done for me, there is joy I can't explain. There's satisfaction I've known no other way. When I speak peace, Paul explained it like this to the Roman disciples in Romans 10 and verse 14. He said this, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? You don't call on Christ till you believe in Him. And how shall they believe on Him of whom they have not heard? Folks don't believe until they hear. How shall they hear without a preacher? And this is where most folks take an exit off the highway ramp of discipleship. Oh, preacher, this is all your job. How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written in verse 15, he's quoting from Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Disciples, you and I, aren't merely peace absorbers, not just peace recipients or peace maintainers or beneficiaries, but we are empowered as proclaimers of peace, as announcers of peace, as broadcasters and publishers of peace. And I preach to Today in encouragement, proclaiming peace is a beautiful thing. Speaking peace is a beautiful thing. Proclaiming peace is an honor and a joy and an incredible thing. I'm not sure, Pastor, that folks will appreciate it if I share the peace of God with others. I got a simple question. Are you grateful that somebody told you I see the feet of those who talk to me as some beautiful things and I want to see that happen in somebody else's life? It's a beautiful thing to speak peace. It's a beautiful thing to announce God's interest in somebody's life. It's a beautiful thing to broadcast Christ's desire to make us whole. It's a beautiful thing to publish Jesus' plan to bring goodness into people's life. And when peace 
possessors become peace proclaimers. It's always a beautiful thing if we'll get it through our noggins and stop just soaking up the power of God, but start displaying and proclaiming and realizing the power and the joy and the fullness of God using us. We'll never turn around. Back to Luke chapter 10. Jesus concludes his peace proclaiming charge with these words. In verse number six, Jesus went on to say, and if, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they have give. For the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. In other words, don't go looking for better dinners at somebody else's house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick there. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then verse 10, but whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. But I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Scripture says, Jesus' words, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. If not, it will return to you. Whether peace rests or returns depends on the recipient. Peace only remains where peace is welcome. Notice in Jesus' words that whether people welcomed peace or people rejected peace, the kingdom of God came near to both of them. In disciples who approached homes and began to start with peace to you. Jesus wants to complete and whole and bring wonderful things into your life. That's all that's required of disciples. Just speak and profess peace. Where it goes from there is left to the recipient. They can turn around and close the door and say, I'm not ready for God's wholeness. I'm not ready for God's completeness. I don't need God's well-being. That's not what I want right now. Then it stops right there. But if it's a son of peace, if somebody says, you know what? It sounds pretty good to allow God to work in my life. I think it would be awesome to have the power of God minister in my life and that's the case, then they are recipients of peace. Both of them hear that the kingdom of God is near. The only difference is how they respond. I would tell us this afternoon, the kingdom of God is near to us today. Each and every one of us 
If you've been coming to this congregation your entire life or you just walked in today for the first time, the kingdom of God is near to every one of us. Because without hesitation, I joyfully announce peace to this house. Peace to this house. Peace to this house. Peace in this house. Peace in this house. Could you raise your hands all over this place? The kingdom of God is near. There is a presence of a holy Savior in this house. It's near right now. Whether I am recipient or rejecting is of my own decision. Would you just reach out under your heart and in your mind and in your spirit. Have a conversation with God right now. Would you open up and say, you know what? If this is real and there is peace for me, I'm open to what God would do in my life. If He really wants to do completeness and wholeness and well-being in me, I'm open to what He would do in this house. You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. In the Holy Ghost, you give me peace.